Let's bow our heads together. Father, thank you for the blessings of this day, even those that we forgot to stop and thank you for. We thank you most of all for your love. We thank you that you care for each one of us more than we'll ever really know. Tonight, as we open your word, please open our eyes and our ears. May your Holy Spirit speak to us as never before. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Last night, somebody made a comment. And so I thought afterwards, I guess I should probably maybe expound on it. You know, when we were talking last night about those that come in in the last moment and those that have worked all day long, you know, and through the heat of the day and the sweat and everything else, and we look at this and we think, well, some people might say, maybe I should just wait till the last minute and come in. You know, the, the sad part of that, that, what we're saying is, where is our heart really, okay? And if you wait till that, you won't come in anyway. But I'm going to tell you, the blessing is in that long relationship. That's where the blessing is. You, you ask any missionary. The hard part is not going somewhere in the world to do mission. The hard part is saying no. That's really the tough part, you know? Yes. <laughs> and so when we look at that and we think about that, you know, um, example, Carol, forgive me if I'm out of line. But the other night, Carol came up and shared with me a testimony about her and Jim and the family. Listen, that's through the heat of the day. That's through all of the cold, all of the hard times and everything else. And you realize you know him. See what a wonderful part that is. The longer we work in the field, do we get the same reward? Of course. The reward is eternal life. But the nice part of it is getting to spend time with our friend and getting to know him. And so that's the beautiful part about it. Anybody have any questions from last night? Well, the thing is, what I wanted to get to you that I didn't say is all those years living with Jim, I trusted Jim God was doing it all along. He was just using Jim. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Anybody else? Okay. As we carry on with our theme in relationship to this, I want to remind you of this statement that I found because I think it's such a powerful statement and it spoke to my heart. I hope it'll speak to yours. All right. Satan summons all of his forces. He throws all his whole power into the combat. Anybody felt that lately? Huh? Why is it that he meets with no greater resistance? Why are the soldiers of Christ so sleepy and so indifferent? Because they have so little real connection with Christ. Really, that's the, that's the salt of the problem. It really is. 
because they are so destitute of his spirit, sin is not to them as repulsive of abhorrent as it was to their master. They do not meet it as Christ did with the same decisive, determined resistance. The, what's the crux of the problem? We don't really have a real connection with Jesus. It's that simple. We're all going to face the judge one day. I, I'm assuming most of you know that. Um, we've got big arguments going on in the church right now today whether or not there's, we should even believe in the investigative judgment. And many of them even say that, uh, you know, if it wasn't for uh, Ellen White, we wouldn't even have the investigative judgment teaching. I, I don't know what books they're reading, but that's okay. They're entitled to their opinion. Can we prove in relationship to this? The Bible tells us over in Revelation, who is the accuser of the brothers and sisters? Satan is the accuser. It's that simple. Okay? Now, if he's the accuser, where is he accusing us? We read the other night. Jesus will present us what? Faultless. Well, where is he going to present us? Where is Satan accusing us and where is Jesus presenting us faultless? You ever let these things... I mean, do you realize the great problem you create when you start, you know, trying to eliminate some of the foundations that we have that we need to be able to remember. So much of this isn't 1844, folks. That's not really the important part. The important part is Jesus said, I'll represent you. Do we have to be afraid of judgment? Not as long as we've asked him to represent us. Amen. It's that simple. I want you to go over a simple parable that Jesus taught that we don't even need Daniel, okay, to prove. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. And Jesus himself taught the lesson in a parable that Daniel, of course, explains this long prophecy to us. We find it here in Matthew chapter 22, and we begin in verse 1. Matthew 22 and verse 1. Jesus answered and spake unto them again in parables. I, I assume some of you have read some of these statements. Many of his parables, Christ used the expression, the kingdom of heaven, to designate the work of the divine grace upon the hearts of men. Do you understand that? He's, he made comments. The kingdom of God is within you. Okay? And so this is what he was talking about. And many of these parables, when he talked about these things, he's trying to explain to us, okay, the grace of God. He goes on and he says this. The kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king, which had made a marriage for his son. He sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding that they, should, would, uh, that they would not come. But they would not come, excuse me. He sent forth other servants saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatling are killed. All things are ready. Come unto the marriage. Now, how many of you have ever been invited to a marriage? Huh? Most of us at one point in time, right? And so 
When we go to the marriage, the purpose in going to the marriage is what? Just to be there so you can, they'll say, well, yeah, so-and-so showed up. We're a witness, aren't we? We're there to support, okay? And honor, very good. I like that one, Mona. Honor. And so here we find these people were all invited. But what did they do? Verse 5. They made light of it. They went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. They just made light of the wedding its feast itself. The remnant, or the last, took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. The king was mad. When he heard about it, he sent forth his armies to destroy those murderers and burn up their cities. You know, the part that's so amazing to me is this parable had a twofold message. He was talking to the church then. And yet they were missing it. At the same time, he was trying to teach them what was going to happen. It didn't appear they learned either one. But now, is the king going to cancel the wedding because no guests show up? Not one bit. Boy, he's going to have a wedding. His son deserves it. And so what does he do? He said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. They were not what? Let that sink in. Not worthy. What can we do to make ourselves worthy? Huh? Right. You know, I, I find so much in, in communion service. Uh, Pastor Stan, I'm sure you find this too. Uh, you know, we announce in advance that it's going to be a communion Sabbath. And of course, that particular Sabbath, we have less attendance than normal. If you ever approach one of them, they're going to say, well, you know, if I partake of it unworthily, you know, I'm going to condemn myself. And some of them, of course, try to take a, a comment from Ellen White and take it out of context. My question for them is, what is... What is it they think they can do to make themselves worthy? See, they, they don't even understand. If they understood, they would be there. What makes us worthy to partake of the grape juice and the bread? The blood of Christ, okay. We have to accept, okay. How many of you have accepted Christ? How many of you accepted the blood of Christ? How many of you blew it since you did it? Hmm. Peter said, listen, Lord, don't just wash my feet. I mean, wash my hands, wash my, give me a bath. And Jesus said, wait a minute, you don't have to have a bath. You got a little dirt, but let me wash it away. So, of course, our church celebrates not only the communion, but they celebrate the foot washing. The purpose of the foot washing. <laughs> when someone kneels down to wash your feet, who do they represent? Jesus. And what's he doing? Washing away whatever the dirt was between the time you accepted him and, and believed in his blood. Okay, he washes it away. 
Now when you come back to partake of the bread and wine, are you worthy? You're 100%. Have you thought of that? You're 100%. And the reason you're 100% is because Jesus washed it all away. Hello? That's the only thing we can do to make ourselves worthy is submit to Jesus. In our lives, if we're going to be living as Christ would want us to live, we have to submit and say we can't and allow him to do this. Yes, I know. I've been in churches, I'll tell you. You know, they'll have one sit on this side and one sit on the other side. They won't even talk to each other, and they both think they're going to heaven. You know, if I was God, I'd take them to heaven and make them neighbors forever. But anyway, that's probably why I'm not God. But they think they're going. They need to go, you know, and and approach that person and say, let me be of service. I've even had some of them tell me, well, I'll do it if she'll come to me first. After all, she's the one that caused the problem. And I look at them and I say, aren't you glad Jesus didn't wait for you to come? Hello? You know, make the first move. Does the person have to go and, of course, be, uh, to partake with you? No, but that's their problem, not yours. Okay? So it makes things back even again. It helps keep us as a, really as a family, and it gets rid of all this Mickey motion that we end up with, you know, and we have those, whether we say it or not, I'm more righteous than you. We all have sinned, we all have dirt, and we all need to get worthy, and the only way to do that is to go to Jesus. It's the only way. And so here we find the wedding, they're not worthy. Why? They figured they could do it on their own. All right? And yet they're not worthy. <clears throat> but the wedding has to be furnished with gifts. So what does he tell them to do? Go you out into the highways and as many as you shall find, bid them to come to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they would find, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. Both what? Bad and good. We talked about this last night. When, when, when it comes down to the very last moments of earth history, the test is who will you worship? And I said, I believe there will be people going to heaven that are still eating pork chops. Hello? You know? They've got some things in their lives that they don't really realize that Jesus has said, you know, that's not good for you. Do you think they're going to argue with Jesus when they go to heaven? They're going to say, where's the pork chops, Lord? You really believe that? Of course not. You know? But Jesus judges by the heart. And yet we as a people have a tendency to judge by outward appearance. And I got news for you. You can fool just about everybody most of the time. But you're not fooling God. Not one iota. You know. 
If God convinces you of something that Jesus wouldn't do, wouldn't eat, wouldn't go, then you're not going because Jesus wouldn't go with you. And he's your best friend. Amen? Please, don't make it your church work to convert everybody to what you believe. Hello? The Bible says every person has to be persuaded in their own mind. And I'm going to tell you something from my own personal experience. If God wants you to stop doing something, God will be the biggest irritation in the world till you either tell him to go away and leave you alone or you stop. One or the other. If he wants you to do something, God will be the biggest irritation in the world, either until you tell him to go away or you start doing it. Hello? People talk about sin. I'm going to tell you something. A relationship with Jesus Christ, if you keep it every day, ask him to be there every day, guess what has to go? Sin. Hello? You can't have sin and a relationship. Am I making it plain? And if we have that relationship, listen, let him take care of the problem. Let him bring it. But isn't it wonderful? God's going to have his wedding full, even those who come in at the last moment that are still eating cheese. You know what I mean? What a wonderful thing that will be. Well, they all come in. And they're all there at the, at the wedding. <clears throat> and the king came in to see the guest. And he saw a man which had not the wedding garment. Now, would I be taking something completely too far out of context? To say, the king came in to investigate, to see if everybody was ready for the bride and the groom. Would I be taking that too far out of context? The king came in to see the guest, right? And then what does he see? He sees somebody who isn't wearing the wedding garment. You know? And God, of course, looks at him and says... What's the matter, friend? Uh, didn't UPS show up on time? Uh, didn't it fit? Uh, and what does the Bible say? He was speechless. Had nothing to say. Now, I want you to understand something. He had on his Sabbath best. But he stood out like a silver dollar in a mud hole. Hello. As we look at this, God is investigating prior to. This in itself proves there's a judgment before the wedding. And so as a result of that, we can see it. And God is concerned. And we find here, I want to read you just a couple of statements. Of those who accept the invitation, there were some who thought only of benefiting themselves. They came to share the provisions of the feast but they had no desire to honor the king. Now I like to paraphrase that this way. There are some who are interested in getting themselves to heaven, but they have no desire to accept Christ's righteousness in their lives or to bring him honor. After all, they can say, I did it. 
But if we're not wearing the wedding garment, we're going to stand out like a silver dollar in a mud hole. <laughs> the Bible says, let your light so shine before men, before whom? Before mankind, that they may see your good works and glorify who? Your Father, your Father which is in heaven. What's the purpose of good works? To prove you are one? No, to give honor and glory to your Father in heaven. That's the purpose of the works. He leads me into the paths of righteousness for whose sake? His sake. Who leads? If we allow him. If in the morning we're saved every day, and we say, Lord, thank you for giving me another day. Please take me this day. Not my will, not what I want, but what you want. He will lead us into the paths of righteousness. And why? For his sake. It goes on. If your primary purpose for being a Christian is to get to heaven, you may not make it. If that's what your real purpose is. <laughs> but if you accept Jesus' invitation, getting to heaven is certain. We talked about the other night when people say, will you be in heaven? You know, and it just makes my teeth grind when they say, well, I hope so. I'm trying hard, you know. The bigger business is to bring honor and glory to the king and his son. That's really the bigger business, okay? The reason we do anything or don't do something is to bring honor to God in heaven. God can change us into his real children who are citizens of heaven. Even right here on earth. And if you don't believe that, then you're limiting what God says in his word. It's that simple. And we can't limit him. He's beyond limit. There is no. There is more to the story than the invitation, however, and the acceptance, there is also the wedding garment. Isn't that right? The wedding garment. He's looking for those who are wearing it. You know, you girls can back me up. If somebody invites you to go somewhere, the first thing you're going to say is, what am I going to wear? Okay. Well, the nice part of it is the king takes care of it. Amen. And you'll look beautiful as a result of that. But I want you to think about this. Turn over to Revelation chapter 19. Because sometimes we get off on the other side of this tangent. There's absolutely nothing that we do. Okay? We discover here, and we're looking at 6, beginning with verse 6. I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude and the voice of many waters and the voice of mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come. What are we talking about? Marriage, parable, all right? The marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. It didn't say the righteousness of Christ. Hello. 
I, I want to read this in a couple other verses. Revised Standard. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Uh, the, the, new, the new version. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. But of course we might say, wait a minute, can any one saint or otherwise produce righteousness? No. It says over there in Isaiah 64 and Jeremiah, okay, 64 says all of our righteousness is but what? Filthy rags. But then over in Jeremiah it says, the Lord is our what? Righteousness. Who is our righteousness? The Lord is our righteousness. So, if we begin to think about this, this is the righteousness of the saints. But who is our righteousness? How do we get this? By simply accepting the fact of what Jesus said. You can't do anything. I can do everything. I began the work in you. I'll finish it if you let me. But I'm not going to come in unless you allow me to come in and do my work. As long as you want to maintain control, what can I do? But if you're willing to say, your will, not my will, Lord, you started it, you're, you finish it. Are we, are we doing a work as a people? Yes, what are we doing? Admitting we can't and allowing him to do so. Is that real tough, guys? I mean, come on. How many of you sat down and tried to make your list and tried to measure up? You know what I'm saying? I mean, in the first place, throw your list away because all that's going to do is get you in trouble because every time you're looking at the list, you're not looking at Jesus. Okay? And a matter of fact, most of the time we're looking in the mirror, we're looking at ourselves, and boy, that's a big problem. Okay? But as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus... It's his responsibility. Do you think he's got the power to do it? Then let him. That's what the Bible's trying to tell us. Let him. Now I want to read something also so we understand. It is not his righteousness in our place, but his righteousness lived out in our lives. The wedding garment is the second phase of the salvation by faith alone. Of the work of the king, God, who wants to do in us. Now in Christ Object Lessons, it says this. By the wedding garment in the parable is represented the pure, spotless character which Christ's true followers possess. Did you catch that? This robe, woven in the loom of heaven, has not one thread of human devising. The righteousness we possess, we're clothed in our righteousness, but we didn't do anything to get it. Hello? And Jesus isn't going to hand us a robe to cover up our sins. But he says, listen, if you'll let me, I'll come in and do it. I'll take care of it. I love you. I want you there. And the Father wants you there so bad that he sent Jesus to show you what the Father's like. And to show you, yes, you're miserably lost. But because of Jesus, you're wonderfully saved. Please catch this. Sanctification. 
Big word some people want to take issue with again. Christ living his life in me through the Holy Spirit, obedience, victory, and overcoming has not one thread of human devising. But it says overcoming, obedience. These are words that many people on the other side of this, I mean, they're almost fighting words anymore. After all, I'm only human. God knows that. Yeah. What you're saying is I want to, I want to maintain control Okay, so go away and leave me alone. But when we bring Jesus into the picture, it becomes our righteousness. And it is possible. God doesn't ask us to do something that's impossible. Be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And I'm going to tell you something. Right now, today, where you are in your sphere of existence, you realize that through Jesus you can be perfect. Hello? Not because you did anything. It's just because you let him do it. I want, this, I want you to get this. All we can do is accept them. Justification. That's forgiveness for everything in the past. Whatever it is. Don't go back and pick it up and take it with you, when you after you confess it. Leave it there. The other night we read, he doesn't even remember it. Why should you? He cast it into the depths of the sea. There's places they haven't even found the bottom yet. Hello? By faith, accept it. He makes us brand new. And then, he also gives us sanctification. And what's that? Him living in us and us allowing Him to do it. It's a twofold gift. It's based on relationship and communication. See, if Satan's got you concentrating on obedience, if, relation, if Satan's got you concentrating on the things you shouldn't do and the things you should do, Satan's winning. But if you can remember what the Bible says and concentrate on communicating with God. Now that's not saying the same old prayer, the same old way, every day at the same time. Okay? That's talking like a friend. Listen, you can tell him anything. All right? We talked about the other night. Just, just imagine yourself crawling up in the lap of God and saying, Daddy, I can't believe I did this today. You see what I'm saying? Changes the whole thing. And it makes such a difference in our lives. We realize we're not hopelessly lost, but we're wonderfully saved. Not because we did it, but because he's doing it. This is the part that's nice. Without them, there is no salvation. Relationship and communication. Examination or investigation is more than to see who's came or who's responded to the invitation. He's also looking to see who is wearing the wedding garment. Now some of you might say, wait a minute, go back. No salvation without relationship and communication? <laughs> you remember when Jesus was talking and what did he say? This is life eternal. Now, I don't know how much more you can make it. 
I give you eternal life that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. This is eternal life. Knowing him. Study your Bible to know him more. Study your Bible to know him better. Study your Bible to claim the promises that he has given to us and your life will change. Not only that, you'll go to bed feeling a whole lot better. One day, and you know, I, I say this, and of course in some crowds, you know, I take my life in my hands. But this Bible was written for the church. Hello? We believe the Seventh-day Adventist church is God's church in this last day, and the purpose is to share Jesus with the world. Jesus said there's going to be some in that day that's going to say, wait a minute, Lord. You, you made a mistake, Lord. I, I belong in the city, not out here. I went to church every Saturday. I gave a faithful tithe all the time. I even served on the board. I helped mow the yard. I taught Sabbath school class. I did this. I, 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 I. And what does Jesus say? I never knew you. Won't it be sad in that day that you think you're a real good Seventh-day Adventist. You've already got your ticket punched to go by go. You don't even eat cheese. And Jesus says, I never knew you. Hello, the Bible's written to the church. I know I'm getting a little close to home. But I'm going to tell you, if you're not doing all those things or not doing it because you love Jesus and the Father, you're doing it wrong. The only motivation is because you love him. If there's any other motivation, it's the wrong motivation. And sometimes it's so easy to make ourselves look good by finding the fault in everybody else. You know, and we've even got some people that, you know, are constantly pointing out your problem. <laughs> They'll give you little books and pamphlets to help you out. <laughs> you know, the sad part of it is, Jesus says, I love you. I love you. I accept you. If you'll let me, I'll take care of whatever the problem is. And we as church members ought to learn to love one another the same way. Just love them where they are, okay? And just be willing to be a friend. Jesus made this statement. It is by our love for each other. The world will know you are my disciples. Not by our doctrines and all of our rest of our stuff, folks. By our love one for another. I can't even imagine, I don't know about you, Pastor Stan, I can't even imagine our church really being a house of love. Where we accept everybody right where they are, I don't care how long a hair they got or what. I don't care if they're, you know, wearing a skirt short enough, they can powder both sets of cheeks. 
you know, we need to love them like they are. Amen? Just learn to love them like God loves us. What a difference that would make. Our churches would be a hospital for sinners. We, we, we spend all kinds of money trying to get people in. I'm going to tell you something. If we really loved one another like God and Jesus love us, you couldn't keep them out. They'd be flocking in to get what it is you got. Hello? And that's each one of our responsibilities. Jesus says he will keep you from falling. Who will keep you? He will. If you are a follower of Christ today, and if you have a present tense relationship with Jesus, for those who endure until the end in their relationship with Jesus, it is certain you will be an overcomer. And when the king comes to examine, investigate, the guest or you will not be found wanting. What a wonderful promise that is. Thank you, Father. Please, through your Holy Spirit, show us how much you love us. Thank you so much for Jesus and the work that you have done through him. Each of us can testify that work has been done in us. But Father, we know we're so far from what you want us to be. But you promise that if we just accept the fact that Jesus, who you sent, will live in us and he will finish what he started. And he is the creator. How he can speak birds and flowers and animals into existence. Oh, Father, we don't know. We can't even begin to understand. But we believe it. Please help us believe that he will finish the work he started. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.